Welcome to your new favorite podcast, OMLS, with your host, Aryaman Varma. Here, Aryaman chats with religious leaders, economists, and modern philosophers to help shine a light on the dark corners of economics and religion. So without any further ado, let's kick off this episode. Welcome listeners to a special episode of OMLS. Today, we have the honor of hosting a remarkable individual whose passion and dedication is changing lives around the world. Riva Misra is a visionary founder for a groundbreaking company that's revolutionizing holistic health, empowering individuals to make informed lifestyle choices and find joy in living and work. But her impact doesn't stop there. She's also the driving force behind a scholarship program that's sending underprivileged students each year to the top universities in India with a mission to transform their home communities. To get started, can you tell us more about your journey and what inspired you to start a company focused on holistic health? My journey to create Walking on Earth, uh, we call ourselves One for short, she started off with my you know, first job, which was in academia. And I was studying uh, neuroscience in the multisensory perception lab at Oxford um, and published research with the leading professors and academics there. And that's where my fascination of the brain and how we perceive the world started and the connection between the brain, body and our environment around us. Um, but for me, I wanted to ultimately do something that was having wider reach. And that's when I became interested in the power of technology to cause large scale uh, social change and impact on a scale that you know I hadn't, hadn't seen before, hadn't been possible before. Um, so I stayed in academia, went over to the US uh, worked at Yale on on um, focusing on the applications of technology to um, to social impact. So worked on some projects there with you know the FBI and DARPA on looking at writing code for human trafficking rings, um, and focus yeah fo- focus more on on that field. Uh, and then in my last role, then I went into work for high growth um, tech companies, all with a social slant. So education, healthcare. Um, and in my last role, I was applying machine learning models to the process of finding medicines for untreated diseases. Uh, and it was while I was there that I just became you know, shocked that actually, if you look at the majority of diseases, over 70 percent of diseases in society are chronic and they have no treatment, right. um, no cure. And the only way to address them is prevention. So if you think of diseases like. Uh, diabetes or heart disease, um, you know, obesity now, uh, all of these diseases could be preventable if you change your everyday lifestyle health habits. And so I started digging into the research around preventative health. um, And that's when, you know, I just started learning more and more about the link between stress and chronic disease um, and how stress actually is, is so harmful for our bodies. Um, yet we still live in the society where stress is seen as you know, almost a necessary byproduct of success and we're all living under chronic stress. Um, and so that's when I thought, what if we could actually better understand how stress impacts our bodies in order to regulate um, and manage our stress and actually use it to um, to perform better? And so that's what then led me to combine my passions across the science, technology and preventative health into my company one um that's a precision health platform for stress of course so you've obviously mentioned your company walking on earth um could you expand a little bit more on your role as the founder and ceo of walking on earth yeah so 
I mean, I think the founder CEO role, I see it really as being one about providing um, focus and direction to the team. Sure. So, I mean, and, and what I love about the job is just every day is so different and every day throws a new challenge. Um, and I also love it because I think the best part of being a founder CEO is that you get to a work on something that you're really passionate about. And so, you know, every day I'm just like so excited to be working on on what I'm doing because there was there's honestly nothing else I'd rather be doing. Um, and I feel such a strong purpose to it. But also I feel, you know, I, I, I'm lucky enough to be able to choose who I work with. Sure. If you're if you're working for someone, you don't have that liberty. And so, um, you know, so so I make a really conscious effort when building out the team to build a team of people who are equally passionate about what we're doing, about the cause, um, have their own personal why and, you know, are all um, are all kind of on the mission together. And I think that's what makes it. Yeah, that's what makes it like so much of a better experience interesting you um you mentioned that uh being an entrepreneur is very nice because you can pick the people that you want to work with so is that something you've always seen yourself go down into entrepreneurial um i've yeah i've kind of always wanted to be an entrepreneur i think you know i started my first venture when i was 18 i didn't want to go to university because i wanted to start a frozen yogurt store on Portobello Road and then my parents were like no you have to go to university um and uh yeah and and I've always started things you know I started the scholarship foundation when I was on my year out in India um when I was 21 and and started um with my brother when, when my brother was an undergrad at Yale when I was doing my postgrad and uh, we started a company there um, a, a tech platform um, marketplace and uh and that was great we won like a grant from uh, from Yale and got lots of investors in and things. So I, yeah, that's something that I would really recommend. I think universities are a great place to start something because you have access to amazing um, resources, amazing mentors uh, and and um, kind of free marketing by being at the university. Of course, of course. And um, with regards to walking on earth, what is the the mission of walking on earth and where do you think it will be in 10 years time or where do you want it to be in 10 years time? Yeah, so our mission is to um, end the global stress epidemic and to inspire a more preventative model of health, starting with the workplace. And so I think the way I see what we're doing is uh, the first part is education. So educating people about the importance of uh, managing and regulating our stress. And so for that, we have our one index, which is our um, measure that I know we might talk about later. And then we have the recommendation engine. So once you know and understand your stress, it's then about recommending you to the appropriate interventions to better regulate your stress. So that's, that's how I see our impact. Um, in 10 years, I'd love us to be the go-to uh, platform that you know, all organizations use. So at the moment, we're starting with corporate workplaces, so law, finance, and tech. But in 10 years, I'd love it to be something that you know, the public sector uses. So it's in hospitals, it's in prisons, it's in schools, and kids are using it to learn you know, how to better manage their stress and their health from an early age. Uh, and then I would love to actually be producing research around the space too. So to show um, and produce research about how 
the interventions that we have on our platform can lead to a reduction in stress and how by doing so it will then lead to a reduction in chronic disease. So I'd like us to build the you know, largest longitudinal data set on stress, relievers and stress triggers, um, and ultimately would like to see a reduction in stress levels for, you know, we say we want to reach 10 million users in the, well, in the next few years, so we'd love to see a reduction in stress levels for millions of people through the platform. Of course, and um, with regards to becoming the most popular um, platform, is that something you are looking at targeting through a social media aspect? So our channel is it's B2B2C, so we go business to business to reach the end consumer. And so the end consumer of our app is an individual, um, but we have uh, companies pay for it. So companies pay for it as a benefit for their employees. And that we, we decided to go down that route because by doing so, we not only target the individual, we also target the organization. So it, it, you know, by creating healthier employees, you're creating healthier businesses. Um, and so the impact that we can have is not just at the individual level, but also creating change for the way workplaces run. And I think that's really key because um, because workplaces, you know, are, are as I mentioned before, have become synonymous with burnout. You know, you're expected that if you work in law, finance, and tech, you'll just be so exhausted. You'll be doing late nights. You'll be, you know, burnt out after a couple of years. Um, but I think that's not just harmful for our health, but also harmful for business success. I, I think businesses will grow faster, succeed longer if they actually put the health of their employees first. So that's why we're going down the route of selling to businesses. So it's less about social media for us um, and more about uh, partnerships sure. and creating communities of, of, of organizations. Yeah, that's sure, sure, sure. Um, and how does Walking on Earth's approach to holistic health differ from traditional healthcare models? Um, and what are some key principles or values that um, guide your work? Yeah, so we believe in addressing your health um, proactively versus reactively. So we believe that it's something that you like care for in the first place versus fix when it's broken. So I think the traditional healthcare model focuses more on your health once you already show symptoms of illness. Like once you have a disease, you'll go to the doctor and you'll ask for some medicine or whatever it is to treat that disease. But what we're saying is, um, a, empowering the individual to become almost the CEO of their own health, right? Like we, right. Uh, you know, to, to understand what in their environment triggers their health negatively or their stress negatively and what positively triggers it so that they can start to better manage their own health proactively um, and that by doing so, you know, can hopefully prevent the onset of illness and prevent the onset of disease um, before it happens. Sure. So you, you place a huge emphasis on building a, um, a close relationship with the consumer. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, I, and I talk about believing that everyone should become the CEO of their health because if you go into a boardroom and you have to give a presentation as the CEO of your company, if I have to go in, I know every single detail about my company. You know, I know all the financials, the costs, um, revenue, you know, everything that's going on. Sure. When we go to a doctor about our health, where we, we don't know everything that's going on in our body, we rely on the doctor completely to tell us what to do. 
Um, and I think, you know, doctors are incredible and we should absolutely rely on them. But <laughs> when I don't know when in the process we became system empowered to actually be able to, uh, yeah, be able to um, understand our health and understand what's going on in our bodies. And I think that's so critical. Um, yeah. Right. So, and you'd mentioned earlier the Walking on Earth Index. Um, how, how does it work and how can you ensure its accuracy? Yeah, so this is something we spent a lot of time developing because see, if you can't measure your stress, you know, how will you know how stressed you are? And that's, I think, sure. a big issue about the field of prevention is it's so hard to measure. And a lot of the, um, a lot of the work so far has been relied on how you feel instead of being able to measure the impact. Um, and so what we're doing with our one index is that we're providing individuals with a way to actually measure the impact of engaging in their health preventively. And so what we do is um, we've developed it with, you know, leading scientists, clinicians on our platform. Um, and it's a combination of a clinical assessment and biometric data. So the clinical assessment is typical, um, you know, questions uh, on stress and health. Um, they're developed yeah, with, with clinicians and psychologists. And then the biometrics is integrating with wearable devices. So if you have a wearable device, like so if you have a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or an Aura, we integrate with that and um, we can take um, your physiological measures like heart rate, heart rate variability, sleep, and we put that into your index. Um, and that's how you get your score. And then once you have your score, uh, we then use your score to recommend you to what you need at what time. Sure, because I think that's very interesting because um, I think that's something that's quite unique and not many um, healthcare models or healthcare companies actually have. Um, but yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Mo moving on slightly from the walking on earth to another amazing initiative of yours. Um, your scholarship program in India is obviously making a significant impact on education. What motivated you to initiate this program and what kind of changes are you hoping to bring about in the students' home communities? Yeah, thank you. So I started uh, the scholarship organisation Vahani about nine years ago now. So it was I graduated from university and I wanted to take a year out and go to India, which is where my family is from and um, sure. you know, where all my grandparents, aunties, uncles still are. Uh, and I wanted to, at first I wasn't planning to set up an organisation, I was just working there for um, gender, human rights uh, organisations and, and non-profits and um, with a focus on technology again and, and it was while I was there that, you know, I thought um, actually the biggest barrier really to allowing uh, individuals to flourish is education and I think, you know, I feel very fortunate that I've grown up um, in a, you know, in an environment where my parents have always supported me to achieve my dreams and, you know, they themselves have, um, have received scholarships to study abroad and it's, uh, you know, and, it, and, it, and it's really benefited them in their lives. And so, you know, I think um, the power of education in order to unlock children's dreams is just something that can't be underestimated and it should be a basic human right like everyone should have the right to an incredible education but unfortunately it's not um, and so when I thought about what I could do in my time in India that would be the biggest impact 
you know, I thought uh, it would be setting up an organisation that would help other students or other, um, you know, other other people going through university uh, who haven't had the ability to have the exposure, um, not just to a great education um, in terms of your university, but also other parts that I think are so important to shaping uh, your ability to succeed, like having great role models or having exposure to internships, um, public speaking skills, you know, English language, all of those aspects that are so key in today's world to, um, to, to be able to achieve your dreams. And when I looked at organisations that existed, most of them A, stopped at school, so they didn't focus on university, and B, a lot of them just provided financial support. They didn't provide, again, the holistic um, support that I think is so key. Uh, and then finally, I think, you know, when we look at society now, I think the world just desperately needs more leaders that are driven um, you know, by the right uh, moral causes and, uh, and and also diversity. And so that's why I started Vahani to support students who come from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. So um, the average household income for the students is about uh, £450, £500 a year. Right. Yeah. And so their, you know, their, their parents are daily wage laborers, farmers, um, richer drivers, etc. Um, and the students have shown a real untapped ability. So they've all scored around over ninety percent in their exams. Um, and so, and they have a real fire in their belly. So they, you know, I, I really believe they can be the future leaders of, of tomorrow. And so we select them, and we give them a really close knit. We only select fifty students a year. Um, we pair them each with a mentor, uh, and we have various programs that we run. So English, um, you know, public speaking, sure. CV building, internship, uh, etc. Um, and we also fund their education. Um, and so the idea is that we, yeah, we provide them with all the resources that they need to then be able to go and achieve their dreams and become the future leaders of the world. Sure, that 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 is amazing. You mentioned that um, the basic. Uh, access to education should be a fundamental human right for everyone. So how do you go about um, the selection process for the scholarship recipients and the support that they receive throughout their education journey? Um, yeah, so the selection process is done. Um, we actually base it on the uh, US or UK university process, um, actually more modeled around the US university process. So you have to submit alongside your grades and details about you know, your, your family income, etc., um, you have to submit three essays. And the first one is about um, you know, why, why you want to, uh, why, what your dreams are and where you want to be in 10 years. And then we also ask questions around um, how they've learned from a certain hardship or failure in their life. So really trying to drill into what the person, how the person thinks and behaves and what drives them. Um, and then we do two rounds of interviews, so one over the phone, one in person, uh, and then we select them. And it's dependent on uh, them um, achieving certain grades in their final year. Sure. So, so the Common App has had a positive impact on you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think they. I think it does. You know, really does get to know someone um, in, in and what drives someone in a way that I think. Yeah having those essays and having the interviews, I think they're so important for that reason. I'm sure you've had um, various 
um, successful moments and expiring moments um, for both Walking on Earth and the Vahani Scholarship. Could you share a few of these moments, please? Yeah, I think for me, what always drives me is being able to create impact. And that's kind of my, yeah, that's my, like, I guess, driving force or purpose. Um, and so for me, it's all about seeing those impact stories. And so with Vahani, because it's now been nine years, we have students who have actually gone out, you know, they've gone to the home communities. And you asked that in, in one of your questions before, they've actually gone out back to the home communities. They go and teach the students in their villages. Um, and, uh, and, and a lot of them now, like when, when other students apply for the scholarship, they'll go and spread the word and the outreach. They'll help them with applications. So we're now able to get to and reach students who, um, may not have otherwise been able to fill out the applications or wouldn't have heard of, of the opportunity. And they're also now studying, uh, working, sorry, at the top organizations around India and the world. So they're working at, you know, companies like Microsoft, Amazon, KPMG, um, a couple have started their own companies as well. You know, one person started a robotics company, one person's living in Japan, one person's living in Germany. And so um, now what we're seeing is actually that circle that we wanted to create is now complete, where those uh, those now individuals who are out working at these top companies, they're getting promoted um, and, and being, uh, you know, being um, rewarded for their accomplishments and their ability. And their uh, um, bosses and managers are now telling them to actually recruit more students from our scholarship to come join their firms because they've seen, you know, just how how amazing they are. Um, and so that's essentially when I think about the circle of life where um, it's itself um, fulfilling. So the, the students who go through the scholarship will then be able to help the other ones coming in. Uh, and that's really, yeah, really rewarding to be able yeah, to see. It's a, it's a somewhat multiplier effect. The students that have, have progressed through the um, scholarship and then they come back and help others that haven't. It's, that must be really nice to see. Yeah, yeah, no, that is, it is nice. Really um, nice. But many people might want to make a positive impact in their communities, but don't know where to start. What advice do you have for these individuals who want to initiate meaningful change? I think my biggest advice is to just start. I think you can spend ages thinking about it and and it will never happen. And I see the people that do it are the ones that just start, even with something really small, um, and then it can build on. Uh, I think it's so easy to overthink these things and do endless research and really try and come up with the perfect time, moment, idea. But honestly, I think the best thing is just to start with something small and build it up from there. Um, that would be my biggest advice. I also think just finding something that you are passionate about um, and that I believe is most important. So, um, you know, when you look at my uh, career trajectory, at first, it just didn't really make sense. Uh, it seemed like I was just doing lots of different things. And now it's all really come together to tell a story. But I would have never realised that, that at that time. I just always followed my passion and did what I really cared about. Um, and and I, I think that's, um, yeah, that, that's most important. Um, sure. It, you know, it sounds um, like um, your path has been a very nice straight line, but I'm sure you face some difficulties and challenges along the way. So yeah. you know, highlighting any challenges that you might have faced and how did you overcome and learn from these challenges? Yeah, I mean, I faced 
so many challenges, endless challenges. I think I face a challenge, you know, every day at work. <laughs> but that's what makes it worthwhile. Right? If you don't have any challenges, then you're never going to uh, you're never going to be able to create something right? if you don't take the risk. Um, and uh, and so, what can I talk about as a few challenges? I think one one big challenge was starting a company in the pandemic. So I started one a month before the pandemic hit. I started in February 2020 um, and that was really tough because see the whole world went into lockdown and uh, and there are enough variables when you're starting a new company. So to add the pandemic on top was uh, was a bit crazy. And so I think that just made it at first. It just seemed you know, it was trying to raise money and people were just saying, like, we're just trying to keep our own businesses alive. We can't can't be investing in something new especially something so risky um which you know because it's just started um and and doesn't have any money or no product yet um but i think it was just persisting through that phase and then actually the pandemic had the silver lining in the fact that it really woke up everyone to the importance of taking care of your health preventatively um and a lot of companies as well started adopting more uh, mental health well-being platforms for their teams because their employees were you know, struggling so much with their mental health during this time and so it actually opened a lot of doors for us because it um, threw mental and physical health into the spotlight and so you know I think behind every challenge or difficulty comes an opportunity as well so yeah I would say that's an example. And, um, and finally what are some of the strategies or practices that you personally use for your own mental well-being? Uh, I have a lot. <laughs> I think uh, I, yeah, I, I really am a big believer in, you know, harnessing your um, own or regulating your stress levels in order to drive performance. And so I think, you know, I've been, I think I've been fortunate to have that as a big part of my life, well, throughout pretty much. Um, and I have, well, the biggest thing for me is surfing. So I'm really passionate about surfing and I find um, having that as a hobby on the side is, is so important because when I go out and surf um, in the water, I just cannot think about anything else. I mean, like total state of flow yeah. um, because you have these massive waves coming towards you. And you can't you can't be thinking about work or whatever the problem is. <laughs> And it's so humbling as well because you know, you're you're just at the kind of um, test of the ocean and there's nothing you can do to control it or thing you just kind of have to let go. Um, and so I find yeah, doing surfing um, just incredibly humbling and puts life into perspective. Um, but obviously I can't you know start every day with a surf. Yeah. <laughs> I live in London yeah. so um, I also have like various routines that I do in London so for me it's like having my thresholds in balance so right. exercising four times a week, sleeping at least seven and a half hours a night, um, walking my dog in the park in, in nature, love being in nature um, and uh, yeah and, and socializing as well so I think it's just about what I would say is for me it's about understanding what my thresholds are um, in order to be at my best and and I know for me during a week it's those things having to be in balance and if anything's off balance so if I find I'm not able to sleep as much or I'm not able to exercise then I know something's gone wrong and something's shifted um, and my stress is going to be imbalanced. Perfect 
Thank you so very much, Reva, for sharing your incredible story and vision with us. Your dedication to empowering individuals and communities is truly amazing. And to our listeners, remember, change starts with one person's passionate vision. Take that step towards making a difference today. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Omelas Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.